Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, April 6th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Ukraine says it sees a path to reopening talks with Russia about Crimea, and KKR is going big on a financial communications group. Plus, boardrooms, they have this thing for going back to their exes. But sometimes there's a reason things didn't work out the first time. Often, CEO that has gone and is returning is actually coming back to resolve issues that they probably started. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The U.S. has been threatening to ban TikTok for a while now. There are national security concerns over the social media app, suspicions that its Beijing-based parent company ByteDance uses TikTok to spy on Americans. These U.S.-China tensions haven't scared brands, though. In fact, digital advertising on TikTok grew by 11% in March. Analytics group Sensor Tower found that companies like Pepsi, Amazon, and Apple were some of the biggest spenders on TikTok last month. But not every company is comfortable taking the risk. Some are moving ad spending to other platforms like Meta and Google, just in case the U.S. does actually ban TikTok. Russia annexed Crimea back in 2014, well before the full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Kyiv is now planning a counteroffensive, and one official tells the FT that if it goes well, Ukraine will be willing to restart talks with Russia about the future of the region. Chris Miller is here to talk more about Crimea and the war in Ukraine. Hi, Chris. Hey. Chris, you spoke to someone close to Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky. His name is Andrei Sabiha, and he's the deputy head of Zelensky's office. He mentioned to you that talks about Crimea could reopen after this counteroffensive, assuming that this counteroffensive is successful. What exactly was he getting at there? Yeah, you know, I, I think Andrei was saying that if we managed to recapture enough territory and really to put Vladimir Putin's forces on the ground in Ukraine on their heels, then at that point, if our military approaches the administrative border of Ukraine, we're willing to restart talks that Ukraine cut off last spring after these atrocities were revealed in Bucha and, and Mariupol and other, and other uh, cities that Russia had previously occupied. You know, they are growing a little bit concerned about the, the length of this war, how long it might, it might go on for. And if they can be successful in recapturing a significant amount of territory, then they would move back to a diplomatic track. This is, I mean, there's a lot of ifs here, Chris. Um, and obviously, like, Ukraine wants to stay optimistic and, and plan, plan as though success is going to happen, which makes a ton of sense. But even if they are successful, I mean, isn't there a lot of assuming on the table that Russia would even come back to the table and talk about this? Putin has said repeatedly that the issue of Crimea, the status of Crimea, is not up for discussion. But, I, you know, part of Ukraine's planning here is that they'll be so successful in their counteroffensive that they'll sweep in and take back all of this territory. It'll be a devastating loss for Russia. And, and their hope is that they'll get to the point where Putin will have no other choice but to sit down and to try to negotiate some kind of settlement. Would the Ukrainian public view 
any sort of diplomatic talks as a concession to Russia? You know, I think any talk involves Crimea not being a part of Ukraine. That is what Ukrainians will see as a red line. And recent polls show uh, almost as much as, as 90% of Ukrainians are completely against ceding any territory to Russia. Very forthcoming about what he sees here. You know, he, this is not a negotiation that he's going to go into where he is willing, I think, to negotiate Crimea away from Ukraine. Chris Miller is the FT's Ukraine correspondent. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. KKR is buying a large stake in the financial communications group FGS Global. Sources tell the FD that the deal could be announced as soon as next week, and it would value FGS at around $1.5 billion. FGS is backed by the British media and advertising group WPP. This is just the latest example of a big buyout group making its way into a communication sector that focuses on strategy and crisis advice. KKR, FGS, and WPP all declined to comment for this story. You might notice that companies are bringing back familiar faces to run their business. Disney brought back Bob Iger as CEO last year. Howard Schultz has returned to the head of Starbucks on three different occasions. And last week, UBS tapped former CEO Sergio Ermati to lead the bank as it acquires rival Credit Suisse. Our management editor, Angeli Raval, has written about these boomerang CEOs, as they're called. Hey, Angeli. Hi. Uh, first of all, clever name, boomerang CEOs. I love it. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of management speak, really. It's sort of used largely in the U.S. because this is a largely U.S. phenomenon. They're also known as bounce-back CEOs over here in the U.K. Why are companies doing this? Why are they they bringing back former CEOs? Fundamentally, it's about a search for safety. People, and I say people, I mean boards, um, top company executives, they like the familiar in a time of crisis. They know these people. Often, these people are the ones that hired them many moons ago. At the same time, they understand corporate culture. They're not starting from scratch. They have an idea of what's going on. So you recently spoke to Chris Bingham, a professor at the University of North Carolina who researched how well these boomerang CEOs shake out. What did he find? He actually found that the second time round, they don't perform as well. And largely, that is because the business environment has changed. I mean, just look at the last two years alone. So Omoti is coming back to UBS after only two years, but only two years means the entire COVID pandemic, a war in Ukraine. You've got, you know, inflation. You've got issues all over the world, big geopolitical crises, big economic crises. And this is what he's coming back to. So what's your big takeaway here, Angelie? The interesting thing here is it's actually not about the individual themselves who's coming back. Obviously, on the surface, it looks like they're complete heroes. But more than anything else, it probably shows that there's been a failure in succession planning for most of these companies. Often, the CEO that has gone and is returning is actually coming back to resolve issues that they probably started. And so, 
it shows that not only have these particular CEOs not done their job in terms of finding appropriate successes, but the boards are then not holding the outgoing CEO to account and trying to plan for the future. Angelie Raval is the FT's management editor. Thanks so much, Angelie. Thank you. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. We're taking tomorrow off for Good Friday. We'll be back on Monday, April 10th. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon, Sonia Hudson, and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Jess Smith. We had help this week from Michael Lello, David Da Silva, Peter Barber, and Gavin Coleman. Our executive producer is Topher Forges. Cheryl Bromley is the FT's global head of audio. And our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.